This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. You already know on this podcast, we're all about unpacking the driving forces shaping the creator economy to understand what it all means for its future. I mean, come on, I say it like every week in the show intro. So with that in mind, I have some pretty exciting news to share. Fast Company recently launched its inaugural list of who we think are some of the major players in the creator economy. The Creator 25 spotlights creators, executives, and investors who are really pushing this space in exciting ways. And one of the categories in our list is On The Rise, which are creators who we're betting will break big in no time at all. One of those creators is Antonio Baldwin, better known online as Tony Talks. You'll hear me gush about him directly to his face in just a minute, but I'll tell you, dear listener, why I put him on the Creator 25 list. Quite frankly, I've never seen comedy like his before. You think you have an idea of where his skits are headed, but then he'll just go completely off the rails. It's the kind of comedy that really forces you to pay attention, and it certainly caught people's attention, obviously mine included. So make sure you check out the full Creator 25 list, but first, have a listen to my conversation with Tony Talks, and you'll understand why he's one to watch. This is Creative Control. I'm your host, Casey Finey. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future, like I just said. Okay. <laughs> Tony talks. I can't tell you how excited I am for this conversation. I, I say that a lot on this podcast, but not that I don't mean it all the other times I said it, but like you specifically, because I feel like the first video I saw of yours, I think it was August of 2020 on Instagram, and you're playing a mom, and you're just vacuuming the apartment. It's a peaceful environment until you hear glass breaking. You know this video. Yeah. You hear glass breaking in the other room, mm. and you just hear your quote-unquote kid saying, Sorry, mommy. And you don't even reply. You just get this look on your face that like, all, like every mom who's like reached their limit gets, and you just walk off camera, and all we hear is that loud spank, and the kids scream. Yeah. And I was just so impressed by that because Thank you. there's no dialogue. Like, there's just, like, all the comedy was in the wig, the expression on your face, the heels mm-hmm. clacking on the carpet, mind you, <laughs> which added this layer of ridiculousness to all of it. And I just thought to myself, like, whoever this Tony Talks guy is, I need more of this content. And ever since then, I've just been, like, a huge fan of your work. I've just been, like, diving. Like, I just immediately went into, like, a rabbit hole of your content. Yeah. And so when we decided to have this Creator 25 list and we have this category of, like, up-and-coming creators, I was like, I- I'm putting Tony on this list. I need him on this list because your comedy is so specific and so amazing and so welcome. <laughs> like, for those who don't know, who is Tony Talks? Tony Talks is a comedian, an entertainer in all forms whatsoever. It's a place where you can go to escape from reality and see like a a funny, altered, exaggerated version of things that happen in normal day life. So when you go to a Tony Talks page on any platform, you kind of you, you you don't really see like situations that's going on in you know real life present day. If you do, like I said, it's an exaggerated form of it. So it's so not really, exaggerated. Yeah, it's not really <laughs> addressing, you know, things that are going on 
Um, I, I would say it's just an escape for me as well. I mean, it, it's for the person creating it and the people receiving it. So mm. I would say an escape is, is what Tony Talks is in full entirety. So what was your path to becoming a content creator? I was pursuing acting strictly. And then I got tired of the callback setting. So I created my own version of, I guess, entertainment in, in my sense. And that's kind of where Tony Talks came from. I wish I could explain it more, but I really can't. Hmm. That's kind of where it came from. It just came from pursuing acting professionally. And I got tired of like the nose and I got tired of the environment that I was in, quote unquote, competing with people. So I wanted to create a space that I felt comfortable in and a space where I can future provide other little Tony Talks opportunities and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where it came from. And then I ended up posting on Vine and then from Vine to YouTube and then YouTube. I took a break on YouTube and then went to Instagram and that's where it really took off. So you're on Vine. So you've been at this for a while because that's like, okay. Oh, yeah. It's been a minute. That's interesting. And so like, what was your full-time job? So you're pursuing acting, um, but obviously I'm sure you had like like some job to anchor all of this. So like, what were you doing while you're pursuing acting and making content creation. Like, what what did that look like for you? So I was working at O'Charlie's. I was working at Olive Garden, CVS. <laughs> I was working so many jobs, CarMax. <laughs> and just, you know, just going from different jobs. CarMax is the one where Tony Talks was taking off. And it was crazy because I would work five days a week, had two days off. And those two days, I would film as many videos as I can. And I would edit the videos during the week and like, like while I was at work. And Ooh. I remember one time <laughs> I accidentally sent a whole Tony Talk script to a customer, oh. like through the because I was typing it on the computer and <laughs> I ended up sending it to a customer. But I, yeah. They're I, welcome. I'm sure they got well, a chuckle. <laughs> I gave them some amazing content. But yeah, I, I literally would just, the two days I was off, film as many as I can edit them while I was at work, and then post them during my, like, lunch breaks and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I take you're not working at CarMax anymore. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. So when did you make that leap into going full-time? Like, what was that What was that transition like for you? Um, It was scary. I'm not going to lie. But I was making more money doing a promotion. Of, like, I would, I would make as much as I make in a week there, making one video as a promotion. Mm. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, just quit and take a risk. No, I I made sure I saved up money in the event that, you know, this whole social media train didn't work out. And luckily, I prayed and I manifested and I made sure that, you know, when people like gravitated towards me, I gave them something that would keep them watching and keep them staying. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's kind of where it came from. It. It was a scary moment for me because I don't, I'm not going to say I don't like taking risks. I do it all the time, but it's just something like that is very untraditional for my family. And I wanted to, that's like a big kind of thing. And then it's hard to explain it to like the older generation because they don't fully understand it. So, you know, it, it was difficult, but one of the best decisions I've ever made. You even have a skit about that when it's just like, Mom, I want to be a YouTuber. It's just like, so what university would you be going to for exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> real life situations. So I, I know what I want to be when I grow up. 
Really? Oh my God, baby, listen, I will support anything you want to do. I want to be a YouTuber. A YouTuber <laughs> at what hospital? Hey, you mentioned that like Instagram is really when things started to take off. So what was that break for you? Like, what was that flashpoint? Do you remember, was it a specific video? Do you, was it just the platform? Like, what was that break? I want to say that break was when I was doing the whole clock out for me, like repeatedly skits. I would say that's when it, I started realizing it, it like just the numbers going up. And then when I realized the numbers was going up, I was like, okay, let me be smart about this. So I paid influencers who were similar to me to promote my video on their page. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I already knew I was blowing up organically. So I was like, let me go ahead and add more to it so I can, um, you know, just really show my face to everyone and not just be like a viral video. So I took advantage of the whole growth train and... I told myself, I'm going to just keep going every single day, and I haven't stopped. Nice. What's sort of been your, in? because I imagine you have like a, you have a whole team now, but like in those early days, how did you manage those? How did you navigate those decisions? Because, I mean, it's I think some people wouldn't necessarily think to pay for a promotion like that. So like, just what was sort of like your business mindset early in your career? Mm, I think my business mindset was not to let my ego control my decisions. Like, mm. you know, a lot of people wouldn't say that they paid someone to promote them or something like right. that because it's like an ego thing. But like, I just feel like it's a very smart thing to do. Definitely in the beginning when you're growing, you know, I figured that if there was a guy who was in the cars or something, he would be pointless to promote myself because I'm a comedian. So it's like his followers are into cars. So I was like, all right, let me find people who do what I do, you know, gay men that are in wigs. <laughs> let me find them. <laughs> and um, I was I was very successful with that until I didn't have to do it anymore. But I'm very open about that. I, I would say back then it was just a decision I made. You know, I prayed a lot. So it was just me and God. And then he guided me to where, where I am today. Mm. And I'm so glad you brought up gay men and wigs because it's a perfect segue into okay. my next question. Because there's no shortage of comedian content creators, and there's absolutely no shortage of male comedian content creators in wigs, which seems to be a niche category, but it's really not. Yeah. What avenue did you see for yourself? Like, how were you hoping to stand out in such a crowded landscape in this specific category? Okay, so I didn't see them like as. Ooh. I don't, I don't see them as like, <laughs> but not in a nice way though, because like, here, here's the way I see I don't it, know like, them. No, <laughs> you pulled all Mariah. <laughs> no. It's just, I, I try my hardest to focus on what I'm doing and that is it. Because if I start thinking about other people, that's when I start getting discouraged, depressed, all that stuff, feeling like I, feeling like I need to compete with someone. And that's the reason why I got into social media to stop feeling the need of competing. So what worked for me is realizing that I stay in my own lane, but my lane happens to be in every direction. So it's like, as long as I'm not driving in someone else's lane, then I feel like I'm, I'm doing the best job in the world. And my thing is from beginning to now, it was never necessarily about how many views you can get, how many this, how many that. It was just, I wanted to be seen by someone. So after I felt seen by someone, all that whole number stuff and all that, I don't pay attention to like the analytic sides of it. That's that's what my manager does. I don't I don't pay attention to like 
the numbers of anything. It's solely just posting something. Literally, my process is when I post a video, I put it on there and then I get off of social media. I literally have two social media accounts. One of them is I'm following nothing but motivational people. And the reason I do that is I can change the way social media looks to me because my dreams and goals are bigger than social media. Wow. So I try not to get trapped there. That's kind of what helped me stay driven and stay in my um, lane is to just not focus on no one else but what I'm doing and the reason why I'm doing it. Look at Tony Talks with the blueprint. All right. Okay. (laughs) After the break, Tony takes us through his creative process, which is powered by beauty shop wigs. I'm just going to let him explain this one. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. I want to really dive into your creative process because, again, like I said, I feel like that is truly what has stood out to me. And so in that, I want to start with these characters, more specifically, these wigs that seem to be <laughs> the yeah. basis for these characters. And it's, it's like what I love is that you're building this universe of all these characters. What goes into it? Like, what is the process? Like, does it start with the wig? Does it start with the person? Because, <laughs> like, we see recurring characters like, you know, like Cassandra with like the yes. blonde, blunt bob. <laughs> we see like all these characters that I just love. And so, like, what is that process of creating these iconic characters. So they're created from just family members, coworkers, but it does start with the wig. Literally, I go to a beauty <laughs> supply store. They know what I do and they help me just find different wigs. And literally, I just, they, and it's crazy, they give me a whole discount of everything. Hey, now. Listen. I know. Like, <laughs> There's a lot. So it, it, it gets expensive. Like, it gets expensive. So, I'm in there like every week. But yeah, I, um, how this works, right, is the money that I get, because everyone wonders like how I can, you know, f- afford all these wigs and stuff. But it's like the money I get from promotions, I put half of it into back into Tony Talks. I upgraded the camera equipment and the wigs and stuff like that. But how this works is I just go in there, I find a little wig, and then literally, it's hard to say. Like, I don't tie the personality with the wig. It's just like, that's just like a, a costume. And then... I just, whatever I feel like sounds nice with the wig or looks authentic, then I just go with it. And as for like the character development, like I said before, it's all just like family. So, you know, characteristics from family to I've worked many jobs, customers, coworkers, it all ties together. If I met you before, you're going to be a part of my video. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how that works. I love that. The other thing I love about your comedy is the fact that you never, we never know where it's going. We never know where a skit is going. And, you know, I I feel like just an example off the top of my head is like a series that you've done before, but this was the most random where it's like someone's just trying to check out. They're trying to buy a t-shirt. It starts off with like a joke about like, oh, you know, the, the cashier just wants me to like notice her nails. And then it gets like this awkward exchange about, you know, the the customer's offended because the cashier is saying like, have a nice day. So you're like, okay, this where is this going? Like this, this could end at any point and still be funny. 
And then this is like, okay, let me get your name. Like the customer says to the cashier. And it's like, oh, I'm Celine Dion. And it's like, what? And then, of course, the customer is like, what are you doing here? And then it's just sad running away music. (laughs) You watch a skit like that and you're just like, like I said, it can end anywhere and still be hilarious. Like I'm laughing all the way through, but it gets weirder and weirder and and just like, I don't know where this is going. So how would you describe your brand of comedy? That's so crazy. Um. I've never got asked that question. And I honestly do not know the answer. Like, (laughs) I am very exaggerated, random. I have an interesting sense of humor. And luckily... We know. I know. You can tell. (laughs) Luckily, I was able to find an audience, or the audience found me, that likes the same brand of humor. But, like, I would say it's a mix between, like, Mad TV and Family Guy. Because those are, like, my favorite like you know comedic go-tos or norbit i loved norbit <laughs> not norbit <laughs> like okay pull over what yeah. did you love about norbit <laughs> i don't know i just love like the the stereotypes they played on <laughs> i loved like him playing Rasputia and like how just ratchet she was <laughs> and like it's random comedy that i just die for that i love because it's like you know, life is not as organized what people think it is. So I like to bring light to the unorganized parts of it and, you know, throw people off rail when you think you're going one way. I think those are like the the icons in this community and stuff like that. People who can just surprise you and, mm. you know, change the way you think a little bit or, you know, make you laugh at stuff you never laughed at. So, you know, that's the goal. It's always worth mentioning that this is scripted out. And so it seems really random, but you've thought this through. So I <laughs> like it's I guess how do you script chaos? Like how do you I script <laughs> It's literally like I kid you not, it's all in the editing because sometimes mm, true. it's not written down what I would do, but I would see like an open spot and I'll be like, Okay, yeah, let me go ahead and add somebody throwing fire out their mouth or let me go ahead and add, you know, like some like these musicals that I've been doing. Literally, none of those are written out. It's just I start a skit normally. I stop and I'm like, you know what? Let me create a small little song. And then I'll create a song and then I'll go back and film the rest of the video to that song. So that wasn't none of them literally are planned. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you brought that up because self-checkout the musical. I need more of that. Like, this is, like, I've been following your content since 2020. And when I saw you were doing I was like, oh, he's doing music now. Excuse me. And it's so good. Thank you. So, to that point, I mean, like, how are you sort of pushing yourself as a content creator? Because I think it's this interesting balance of giving audiences what they've come to know you for, but also continuing to push yourself. So what does that look like for you? Like, how are you kind of serving the audience that's come to love the content that you do, but you yourself not get bored with it? I try to switch it up constantly. I just try to switch it up all the time. And my support team and my audience and stuff sometimes ain't the biggest fan of that because, you know, everybody wants one thing. And mm. my thing is, I that's why none of my characters have names except for Cassandra. The only reason she has a name 
And Vivian, her nemesis. Yeah, and Vivian. <laughs> you know, she retired. I got to go ahead and bring her back. But yeah, like, oh, like it's a few select. But uh, Cassandra, I told myself she was never going to get a name. The only reason she did is because she was in a short film and they mm. had to name her. But other than that, I try not to give no names because I don't want to be tied to any of the characters. I'm friends with different influencers who are kind of stuck with what they're doing. And, you know, they mm. vent about how they want to get out of it and stuff like that. I'll start trends. Like, for example, with the gossip um, girls I used to do, (laughs) that would be a trend until I started getting DMs of people requesting videos like that. And I was like, all right, switch it up. Let's find Mm. something else to do. I'll come back to that, you know, as a little surprise. But I don't want to get tied into anything. So when it comes to making sure I please the audience and, you know, please myself, I just try to always try new things. And just like I quit my job and tried social media, the worst that could happen is that nobody watches. So it's like, I have a lot of faith in what I do and what I create and I enjoy it. And as long as I enjoy it, I feel like I will gravitate genuine and awesome people, you know, in my circle. So I try to just switch it up and keep it new to me. And in return, it's new to everyone else. Mm. What have you found to be the most challenging aspect of being a content creator? Like having been in it for so long, like what are some of the challenges that you are coming up against? It's a few things. Because of the generation we're in, one of them is telling people what my job is. Really? Yeah. Still? Because I feel like a lot of people should be used to it by now. It's not as bad now, but that was one of the difficult things. Like Mm. when it started taking off, it was just hard to like, Without, Because I don't like to be that guy that that says, you know, you have this amount of followers or this amount of this. I never like to throw that card. So it's like, it's hard to tell people what you're doing without them thinking that, you know, okay, he's just some guy, right? you know, just feeling himself and has no this and that. So, you know, that was one, one of the difficult things. Another difficult thing was all the internal battles that I would deal with, like when it came to social media. So, you know, I did not know, but... The whole mental aspect of social media can get really bad if you're in front of like an audience that is expecting something from you. You know, I ended up getting a therapist and all that stuff. And I had to find ways to heal internally so I can be, you know, the best version for myself and for my audience. But I would say just the mental side of it all, I wouldn't say social media itself was difficult for me because, like I said, my goals wasn't you know, the money aspect or to be famous or nothing like that. So those things never got me down of who was watching me or nothing like that because it was me challenging myself to see, can I post this video and, you know, not cringe and not take it down after like a week? So, you know, those are like personal goals that I set for myself. It's just as I got bigger, that's when I started seeing people request things of me or like companies try to use me in some form or fashion. So those were like the difficult parts. But other than that, I would say I was fortunate enough to have like a smooth ride to where I am. Right. You know, it was a little bumpy, but those are all internally and I was able to heal those. Mm. And how has it been growing as a content creator in Atlanta? Because obviously Atlanta is a huge creative hub. Like there's a lot going on. But I think when most people think about influencers, they think about LA. They think about like that. And that is usually where networks are formed and everything like that. So how has it been growing as a content creator in sort of what some may think of as an unconventional city for influencers and content creators? 
That never discouraged me. Uh, reason being is because seeing as I pursued acting, um, my I wanted to start in Atlanta because LA is like the hardball. That's where people will slash a tire so you don't make it to an audition. <laughs> so it's like LA is a little rougher, and I and, and Atlanta has a lot of people who are inspiring. And you know, I don't feel like the Hollywood has impacted a lot of people in Atlanta. So it wasn't as difficult for me. And I never dreamed of going to LA to live there just because of the horror stories everyone would tell me when I was pursuing acting. And then not only that, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a big networking fan. I'm not going to lie to you. Simply because I am a talkative, friendly person. And I sometimes you can see past the persona that people give you. And it definitely in this whole industry, I've met so many people that were just offering what they can do opposed to who they actually were as a person. And it's like, that's the world of networking. <laughs> but, you know, with my career, I'd, I'd have to quote unquote do it. But, you know, I can't wait till I get to a point where I can just send people to do it so I can just stick with the genuine connections that I'm in mm-hmm. and just go meet friends like, naturally and not necessarily through what can you do for me or what can I do for you? Cause then that's when like all the drama happens. Mm-hmm. So it's just like <laughs> back to your question though. I would say in Atlanta, it was pretty smooth for me as well. I'm a competitive guy, but in competition with myself. Right. We all kind of grew together. I still, you know, mess with the same people I messed with before and, you know, was lucky enough to meet some awesome people along the way. They all combined and, you know, we all just kind of do our thing. And just to kind of think about, like, where you are now in your career, where do you want to take it? Like, where do you see all this going? Because you, you're continuing to build a really sizable following online. And so is acting still in your, in your, in your vision, on your vision board? Or, like, or do you want to do something more? Like, where do you see this Tony Talks empire growing to? I see Tony Talks on every screen imaginable. And it's crazy because anytime I'm asked that question, I always like stutter a little bit. And only reason why is because I try my hardest to stay on tomorrow and today. And, you know, the minute I start thinking about next week, next year, next three years, it really starts messing me up. But I know the end goal is just seeing Tony talks on every screen. How I will get there, I don't know. But what I can say is the journey that I'm taking has been working for me and it's making me feel amazing. That's my answer for that. It's just, you'll see me on every screen and then let's just focus on what you'll see me on next week. (laughs) But what does that mean? Does that mean like more long form content? Is there a Tony Talks movie with all? Like, I don't, I'm just, listen, listen. (laughs) I get it. I get it, but as a journalist, I want to know more, especially with like a creator like you that I have just come to enjoy so much. And I, in my mind, when I look at your content, I have a million ideas of like where this could possibly go. And so now that I have an opportunity to to talk with you, I'm just like, where does he want all of this to go? But, you know, it's fine. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you the journalist and me and in you. Okay, so <laughs> more realistically, we're thinking a family-oriented TV show or a sketch-based comedy show. We're obviously thinking a production company. And my biggest goal is to be able to provide opportunities for people 
who quote unquote have similar stories. So individuals who I can point out who kind of are either going through the same thing or went through the same thing, conquered same similar goals. Well, no, let me backtrack because let me tell you something. The reason why I don't like interviews is because I don't like to say things that I may have to make an apology video for in the future. Oh, Lord. So, All right. Listen. I try to make sure that I say things <laughs> very cautiously. I don't so, think you said a, one controversial thing at this point. You are fine. <laughs> I definitely see a sketch-based comedy show. I definitely see a movie because let me tell you something. I've been to several movie premieres that I have felt that the they weren't catered towards, you know, our community. And they were like gay movies, but it's just like, you know, movies that I felt like did not, it didn't hit like it could have. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's just not, I don't like to bring other people down to make me feel better. But, you know, my thing is I can see, you know, the opportunities to make things just a little more excessive or a little more funnier and uh, branch onto multiple audiences, not just the gay audience. Mm-hmm. So, well, LGBTQIA plus, you know, community. Yeah, I, I, I see opportunities like that. So I see me creating those and just some awesome experiences. But I mean, like I said, the end goal is just seeing me everywhere. That, that's kind of what I just tell everybody. Leave them with surprises, just like my videos. And you know, make them longer. And I'm trying to find out really how to do that too, because I can tell the generation we're in or the era we're in, the shorter videos are the ones that like people love because everyone's attention span is weakening so bad, (laughs) mine including. So, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to find ways to put longer videos out there that people will still see because, you know, the whole algorithm thing, blah, blah, blah. If your video is longer than a minute, you know, these companies just kind of throw it to the side. So you want to make sure that, you know, you still create stuff that catches people's eyes and your eyes and you have fun doing it and stuff like that. So, yeah, hopefully I answered your question because I'm so derailing everywhere. No, you did. You absolutely did. And like I said, okay, I'll I'll just have to be patient to see you on every screen. So for now, I'll just be satisfied with TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube uh, until I get to see you on the big screen. Yeah. Fingers crossed. But Tony, thank you so much for this. I can't tell you, this has been such like a long time coming because like I said, I've just been wanting to interview you ever since I first came across your content like two years ago. So I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. This was fantastic. So I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of Creative Control. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please make sure you rate and comment as well. You'd be giving me something to read and you'd be really helping out the show. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, and Matt Toder. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as senior VP of entertainment Scott Mebus. Scott Mebus.